America's in the middle of a real political storm, a real tsunami, and, and we should have seen this coming. You think? Who could have foreseen it? Oh, Marco. Little Marco. From Pacifica Radio's studios in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove. Out in Pennsylvania, oh, they'll be having an election there soon. 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster. 88.5 FM in uh, in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. Minneapolis, St. Paul, AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And coast to coast and... Covering, smothering the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, hello all and greetings. It is I, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com. Uh, here with you live, as we say, in sweltering Los Angeles today in the lovely KPFK studios. Well, the two candidates with the lowest overall favorability ratings in their respective parties nonetheless reportedly swept up almost all of the big five states that were up for grabs on what I'll call Super Duper Tuesday March 15 in the uh, in the Midwest, in North Carolina and in Florida on Tuesday. Uh, strange form of democracy we have in this country. And it gets stranger in 2016 by the day. We will cover the reported results in Ohio, Illinois, Missouri, North Carolina and Florida today. And concerns about several of those uh, results as best as we can, given both what we know about the reported numbers and about the voting systems used in each state. One of them in particular plays a big part in today's program, uh, as, as well as what we know so far about various problems that voters faced at the polls on Election Day uh, on Tuesday and much more. Also breaking today, uh, just over one month following the death of right-wing Supreme Court justice and activist jurist Antonin Scalia... President Obama announced his choice for the uh, for his nominee to fill Scalia's seat. Judge Merrick Garland, the chief of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit, where Garland served for 19 years. Uh, he is the nominee as of now. The president described the former prosecutor and lead investigator of the Oklahoma City bombing in the 1990s as a moderate and a consensus nominee who at the time of his nomination to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals way back when, 
He was supported by Republicans and Democrats alike in the U.S. Senate and uh, who has also long been recommended to President Obama by Republicans as an excellent choice for the U.S. Supreme Court, at least until Scalia died. And then suddenly the Republicans decided they don't want this president to fill any more seats on the high court for some reason or another. Uh, Garland choked back tears during uh, the president's nominating announcement in the White House Garden today. The judge described the nomination as the greatest honor of his life. He said he viewed a judge's job as a mandate to set aside personal preferences to, quote, follow the law, not make it. Well, that's something that uh, Antonin Scalia might have tried. At 63 years old, Merrick Garland would be the oldest Supreme Court nominee since Lewis Powell, who was 64 when he was confirmed back in 1971. Since then, uh, presidents tend to nominate someone younger who will carry on their legacy for uh, much longer on the court. Uh, The president called for the U.S. Senate to now fulfill its constitutional duty and hold hearings and an up or down vote to advise and consent on the nominee to the high court as the uh, as the that old uh, chestnut the U.S. Constitution called for. Republicans, of course, vow they will not do so. Why? Just because. So um, so I suspect we'll have some time to discuss the qualifications and prospects for uh, Judge Garland's confirmation by the U.S. Senate in the future. Just have a feeling there will be time to discuss that uh, in the near future. Uh, But uh, for now, uh, for today, we had another big primary uh, election day on Tuesday, and I'm going to focus on that for a bit. Uh, Oh, and we will. I hope I hope I'm I'm not going to promise Desi Doyen, but I hope we will get to you and the Green News Report a little bit later. I'm going to (laughs) try. I know. No promises. Uh, it's just that kind of a day. Uh, we got a lot to cover in that Green News report, including these amazing uh, uh, numbers uh, from February that just are mind-blowing and are, have shocked even climate scientists. It was so warm in the month of February. Uh, so also good news for you, Desi Doyen. Here's some good news. As we noted yesterday, I think it was the end of the program, that Fox News had announced there'd be another GOP debate scheduled uh, for next week on March 21. Right. That's not the good news. Uh, But there was some question about whether Trump would attend. Remember, after the CNN debate, he had said he's had enough of the debates. Right. And then seconds later, he said... I'm okay with more debates. Exactly. Yeah. Well, now apparently he is not okay with more debates. He has said he will not attend that Fox News debate scheduled for next week. And so Fox News today promptly announced they are canceling that debate. So who runs the Republican Party and Fox News right now? Sounds to me like it's Donald Trump. Uh, also, maybe we'll get to some of your calls and, and uh, any questions or concerns on any or all of the above, if I can get to them. And if you've got any good ones for me, our phone number uh, today, I am live in the uh, Pacifica Radio studios in Los Angeles, 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK, if I can get to them. You can line up now. You can also tweet me throughout the day. Oh, our our friend uh, Dr. Tucker tweets. Uh, Thanks for starting with that Rubio quote. You're welcome, Dr. Yes, there is a political tsunami underway right now, all over the place, actually. Uh, but you can tweet me. Uh, I am the Brad Blog on the Twitters. I'll keep my eyes on that for you as well. 
All right, let's start out with uh, let's start with the Republicans. Yeah, Republicans first, then we'll get to the Democrats, and it's all a mess in Florida. Donald Trump destroyed second place finisher Florida's U.S. Senator Marco Rubio in his own home state. Oh, little Marco, by almost twenty points, Rubio. Uh, finally noticing the political tsunami that has taken him under. He finally dropped out after those results came in, in that winner-take-all state of Florida. Uh, it was a winner-take-all as far as the delegates go on the Republican side. Trump, therefore, won all 99 delegates from the sun, Sunshine State. In Ohio, Ohio Governor John Kasich was able to win his home state handily, unlike little Marco, little Marco uh, beating Trump in, uh, in Ohio by more than 10 points and vowing to magically win the GOP nomination after he has finally won a state, his, ho- his own home state. Uh, so he now, John Kasich, now fills Marco Rubio's shoes as the great so-called moderate hope for the GOP. Good luck with that, boys. Uh, After his speech, Kasich uh, vowed to go all the way to Cleveland, which isn't far for him, you see, because he's from Ohio. The uh, GOP convention is in July in Cleveland. Oh, that'll be lively. Uh, Kasich vowed that uh, he said, I will not take the low road to the highest office in the land. Uh, good for him on that score. Uh, but he's got to go to Pennsylvania first, where there is a question about his eligibility uh, to run at all on that state's ballot. Very bizarre situation. Uh, and uh, do we have some? Well, basically, he, here's the story. Uh, you have to get in Pennsylvania to be on the presidential ballot. You have to get some 2000 signatures. That's it. That's all that's required. Kasich came in with 2,184 signatures, uh, but the uh, challengers say that 802 of those were ineligible. Well, as after they finally confirmed it, they found that 192 of the contested signatures were, in fact, not, not valid. That means Kasich doesn't have enough signatures to get on the presidential ballot in the state of Pennsylvania. However, John Kasich notes... His campaign, at least, does that the challenge came from the Rubio campaign at the time before they had dropped out and that their challenge, they contend, was 13 minutes too late. It came at 513 p.m. on deadline day. And uh, Kasich is saying, well, no, that's not it. The, the law says that it's got to be, uh, what was it here, seven, seven days in advance, uh, whatever it was, seven days. It doesn't say by 5 p.m. that day. They feel that. Uh, you know, any challenge could have been made until midnight. Um, the uh, Rubio campaign does. Kasich, however, says, no, no, it's got to be in by 5 p.m. It was 13 minutes late. Anyway, so there is a question about whether John Kasich can actually appear on the ballot in Pennsylvania, oddly enough. Uh, also, there's problems for Kasich in New York, where apparently he forgot to get his delegates on the ballot in so many areas in New York that it looks like he's going to automatically lose no matter what, even if he is on that. He's going to lose 45 delegates no matter what happens in New York. So uh, there you go. Kasich took uh, 66, all 66 delegates uh, in Ohio, as that was another winner-take-all state for the Republicans. One analyst pointed out on Twitter last night that the only weakness in Kasich's strategy moving forward is the dwindling number of remaining states named Ohio. Well, yeah, there's that. 
Uh, in Illinois, Donald Trump defeated Ted Cruz, also fairly handily, by uh, almost nine points. Interesting uh, tidbit out of Illinois. As Dave Wasserman first noted, he's a political scientist and an, uh, analyst, uh, he noticed that uh, in the way that Illinois has their uh, uh, their candidates on the uh, their delegates on the ballot, people actually vote for the delegate names for each of the candidates. Uh, and there is rampant evidence, he says, that Trump supporters gave fewer votes to Trump delegates who had foreign sounding names. As the tallying went on late into the night on Tuesday night, Wasserman and others noted that Trump appeared to have lost two Illinois delegates because his voters skipped voting for his delegates uh, when they had names like Sadiq and Fakhrodin. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, Rajah Sadiq had a 25 percent drop off from uh, the top Trump delegate, a 15 percent drop off from the second Trump delegate. Uh, another one named Tanika Tolbert received 11 percent fewer votes than a guy named James DeVores on Trump's behalf. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, it was Rajah Sadiq had more than 6,000 fewer votes than a guy named Doug Hartman on the same uh, on on the same ballot. So uh, Trump, as Wasserman points out, Trump's uh, aversion to his voters anyway, his voters aversion to candidates with foreign sounding names cost him at least two delegates in Illinois. Uh, overall, Wasserman notes, uh, Trump would have won 54, but he only won 52 because his delegates, his voters wouldn't vote for his delegates if they had foreign sounding names. Oh, this political tsunami. What a storm. I'm enjoying it. Uh, sort of. Only sort of. Uh, and given the fight, by the way, that may lie ahead for the Republicans and Trump's hope of getting to that uh, needed 1,237 delegates to avoid a potentially contested GOP uh, convention, he needs every one of those delegates. So there's that uh, in Illinois. In, in North Carolina, uh, Trump also won. It was a big night for Trump. Uh, he, it was a bit closer there. He edged out Cruz by just over three points, reportedly. In Missouri, however, Trump has been declared by some folks in the media, some media outlets, only as the, quote, apparent winner. It's an incredibly close race, uh, as currently reported with Trump currently edging out Cruz by just just 1,726 votes out of more than 900,000 votes cast on the Republican side. He has a lead of about 1,700 votes in Missouri. Uh, here's the bad news or good news. I don't know, depending on how you look at it. It will be strictly impossible to ever know who actually won that Republican primary in Missouri and I will explain why that is in a moment. Right now, uh, Trump is more than uh, 250 uh, delegates in the lead in front of Ted Cruz. It's going to be very difficult to stop him. But that is what the Republicans are going to uh, pretend anyway to want to do for the next few uh, <laughs> weeks or months as they figure out how the hell to deal with Donald Trump, who will be. Uh, who will likely be their nominee as, of course, we've told you on this show for months and months. Uh, here was uh, Donald Trump celebrating his victory last night. We're going to make our country rich again. We're going to make our country great again. And we need the rich in order to make the great, I'm sorry to tell you. Mm, yeah. 
We need the rich in order to make the great. Uh, he, and he's not that sorry to tell you, by the way. So that was the Republican side last night. Let's move to the Democrats. Uh, it was a very big night on the Democratic side for Hillary Clinton, as you have uh, likely heard by now, for Hillary Clinton and her supporters. Uh, let's start with Florida. The biggest victory of the night for her, as expected, she dominated the Sunshine State. She beat Sanders there by more than 30 points, and she gained more than 60 delegates in the overall count in the process. In North Carolina, Clinton also beat Sanders uh, by almost 15 points in North Carolina, though that wasn't completely unexpected either. She netted um, 14 delegates in that state. In Ohio, Clinton uh, won as well. And this was a very disappointing loss, no doubt, for the Sanders campaign. They had hoped their victory in neighboring Michigan might rub off to Ohio. Clinton reportedly beat him in the Buckeye State, beat uh, uh, Bernie Sanders in the Buckeye State by 14 points for a net gain there of almost 20 delegates. She picked up a lot of delegates on Tuesday. Uh, in Illinois, however, it was much, much closer, with Clinton reportedly defeating Bernie Sanders by less than two percentage points. Uh, and I'll have more thoughts about problems, concerns that arose yesterday in, uh, in Illinois. Uh, so she won by less than two percentage points, essentially splitting the delegates with Clinton, uh, because on the uh, Democratic side, all of these races are, uh, are, are split up proportionally between the candidates. Uh, so it was about 50-50 there. She picked up just one overall delegate over Sanders. Uh, and in Illinois, as I noted, maybe we'll get into some more details in a bit, but paper ballots ran out in a number of locations which is particularly troubling when you have a race reportedly as close as the one in Illinois. I say it's troubling always uh, when voters can't vote, when voters are told to go away for a couple of hours. We'll uh, you know, come back and find out if we have more ballots, which is absolutely ridiculous. More on that in a bit. Um, let's move to Missouri because Missouri is particularly galling to me. Uh, Hillary Clinton is currently being uh, described right now as there, uh, like uh, uh, Donald Trump on the Republican side in Missouri, uh, as the apparent winner, though that is particularly unclear here as it is uh, for the Democrats, as it is on the Republican side. Ridiculously close races in my home state of Missouri. Somehow I feel I should apologize. I don't know. I, I feel like it's my fault. I'm just like that. Uh, anyway, out of more than 625,000 votes cast in Missouri on the, Dem on the Democratic side, Hillary Clinton is currently reported leading Sanders by just over 1,500 votes. So out of more than 600,000 votes, Clinton may take the state by a little bit more than 1,500 votes. What was that whole thing about voting doesn't matter, doesn't count? Uh, why should I worry? Why should I do it? Why should I bother? Well, this is why you should bother. Uh, there are reportedly uh, still a few hundred, that's a quote uh, from election officials in Kansas City, a few hundred uncounted absentee and same-day provisional votes uh, that are uh, remain uncounted as of uh, the last time I was able to check, according to... Um, the officials there with just a few hundred left, they think it's unlikely that it would flip the results 
on its own across the entire show me state, no matter how those few hundred votes, uh, those few hundred ballots, and I believe they are paper ballots in all cases, uh, no matter how those uh, were actually cast. So if results right now remain as they are currently, this is kind of interesting. Bernie Sanders actually wins more delegates in the state of Missouri than Hillary Clinton. And this is because of the way that they apportion the delegates there uh, by uh, congressional uh, district. Uh, so Sanders, if nothing changes right now, as I understand it, if my math is correct, Sanders will win uh, 32 for Sanders uh, for delegates in Missouri to just 31 for Hillary Clinton. So just a one point delegate gain there for him. But here's the thing with the totals this close in Missouri, with less than one half of one percent on both the Republican and Democratic sides in the two primaries uh, in Missouri, the second-place candidate could ask for a recount uh, on, on both sides, in both Republican and Democratic, if they want, uh, if the campaigns actually decide they want one. It was so close, in fact, that last night Wolf Blitzer took the astounding, the astounding, remarkable tactic of uh, saying, you know what, we're going to—well, here's, he, here's what Wolf Blitzer said. Have to do this the old-fashioned way, wait for yep. the votes to come in. Oh, they've got to wait for the votes to come in. They have to wait for votes to actually be counted in the state of Missouri instead of doing what they usually do. You know, when the polls close at uh, 6 p.m. and then CNN says we can announce the winner in the state of Wyoming is X, Y, Z. Because they don't actually count ballots. They don't even wait for the county to count ballots. They just do it based on things like exit polls uh, and, uh, you know, early absentee votes. So last night... They actually waited for some votes to be counted. And I put counted in quotation marks because in Missouri, while much of the state uses paper ballots, they don't actually count those paper ballots. They stick them through an optical scanner, which either counts them right or wrong. Uh, and then there's this other thing. And this is something uh, longtime uh, broadcast listeners, bradblog.com readers know, uh, as I've long warned, because the margin is so close in both of those races... Uh, in the state of Missouri, in both the Republican and Democratic side, and because some places in Missouri, specifically St. Louis County and uh, St. Louis City, because they still have many, many voters voting on 100 percent unverifiable touchscreens, which can never be confirmed. It can never be confirmed who any voter actually intended to vote for in any race on any vote cast on a touchscreen voting system. Because of that small margin and because of those touchscreens, it will be strictly impossible to know who actually won either of the two uh, primary races in Missouri on either the Republican or the Democratic side. If there were more touchscreen votes cast than the margin of difference between the first and second place winners, it can never be known with certainty of any sort who actually won those primary elections. Now, you may not care because your chosen candidate may have won this time in Missouri. But I promise you that you will care when you are on the other side of the equation. And when and if this election, for example, or any other in November, the presidential election or any other, if, if it's decided by a margin smaller than that cast on the 100 percent verifiable voting systems, then all of a sudden you will care. You may not care until then. But I do. I care. 
I care no matter who ends up being the winner or the loser because I think the voters ought to have their votes counted and be able to know that their votes were counted and counted accurately. So, you know, we're already relying on unverified computer optical scan systems for most of these uh, numbers, these paper ballot numbers. But at least it's possible to find out what the voter actually intended on those systems. But we can never do so on the touchscreen. Now, last night, Bernie Sanders was actually ahead. If you were watching the uh, results as they were coming into CNN, as CNN bothered to wait for the actual results to come in, Sanders was actually ahead for most of the night in Missouri until near the very, very end, very late at night. And then St. Louis County came in. So Sanders was ahead. It was close, but he was ahead. St. Louis County comes in, and I have long warned now about how St. Louis County runs its elections. I'm from St. Louis County, by the way, originally. So, yes, again, I'm sorry. In St. Louis County, when you go to vote, they use both touchscreens and paper ballots, but they push people towards the touchscreens. Unless you know to ask, you're probably going to be pointed towards a touchscreen. And once those St. Louis County votes came in late, late, late last night after Bernie had been leading in the results as they were coming in all night, once those results from St. Louis County came in, the entire state flipped to Hillary Clinton. Now, it's unclear, you know, and I'm not suggesting there was foul play here. What I'm suggesting is we have no idea who actually won the state of Missouri. Because of these machines, because of these machines that I have been warning you about for so long. And I think uh, American des uh, democracy deserves a hell of a lot better, a hell of a lot better. So even if you don't care, even if you're delighted that Hillary Clinton won, will you be as delighted when it is the state of Missouri and the St. Louis County, Missouri, that, that ends up flipping the election for Donald Trump in November? Will you be cool with it then? Now, it's unclear uh, if there will be a recount on either the Republican or the Democratic side in these primaries, which were decided by just over a thousand votes on each side. It's uh, it's unlikely to matter much right now, frankly, on the Democratic side, in particular, given the proportional distribution of those delegates. It could matter much more on the GOP side. Uh, where there's going to be that fight for every last delegate. Uh, somehow uh, to either uh, keep Trump from winning or to assure that he wins. I take your pick. Uh, and while I always encourage candidates and their supporters to demand that human beings actually count ballots since computers get it wrong all the time, the fact is that simply can't be done even if they do decide to ask for a, a, a recount in the state of Missouri, which, because the total, because the margin was less than one half of one percent on both sides, at least it appears that way now, they still have to certify what, you know, finish counting, certify the votes that they do have, uh, that uh, Ted Cruz on the Republican side and Bernie Sanders on the Democratic side would be able to ask for, uh, for, for a recount. We'll see if they do. Um, in any event, uh, the right now there's a 314 delegate difference between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. Uh, she picked up a bunch of them in the race yesterday. She still there's a lot more delegates needed, however, uh, on the Democratic side to win the nomination. Two thousand three hundred and eighty three are needed. And by the way, uh, when I say that difference, that three hundred and fourteen uh, delegate difference, as we know it as of right now, that does not include the fake super delegates who are not pledged to vote for anyone. And by the way, I've been 
complaining about that, the use of these super delegates to show that Hillary Clinton is winning by, you know, thousands of delegates. Uh, Google has been reporting it, making it impossible to tell the difference between the fake delegates and the real delegates. Well, now Google has finally fixed that. They finally changed that, at least in as much as they are showing now the difference between the pledge delegates and the super delegates in their numbers. So I'm very happy about that. Um, in any event, uh, we are moving closer to securing the Democratic Party nomination and winning this election in November, said Hillary Clinton at her victory rally on Tuesday night. Uh, and it was a big victory, no matter how you count it, uh, for her uh, before she pivoted her remarks to Donald Trump. For his part, Bernie Sanders optimistically told the supporters in Arizona last night that with more than half the delegates yet to be chosen... And a calendar that favors us in the weeks and months to come, we remain confident that our campaign is on the path to win the nomination. That was Bernie Sanders last night, though you wouldn't have known it, because as it turns out, uh, none of the major cable networks actually carried Bernie Sanders' speech. There was six uh, candidates on the ballot last night, four on the Republican side, two on the Democratic side, CNN carried five of those candidates, five of their speeches in full live uh, after the close of polls last night. They didn't carry even a minute of Bernie Sanders. He delivered a nearly hour long speech focused on his campaign policies rather than on the primaries. Uh, he took a few jabs at uh, Hillary Clinton, but he mostly attacked Donald Trump, called him cowardly, called the GOP senators who are restricting uh, voters' rights cowardly. He said, if you are afraid of free and fair elections, get out of politics, get another job. You wouldn't have known it if you were watching election results on the cable news channels. <sighs> where you might expect to see the only other Democratic candidate in the race actually have some remarks after uh, five huge states held their primary elections. But you would have been out of luck uh, in any event. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with uh, some more problems uh, in the race uh, coming out. As, as I always warn, uh, sometimes it takes a while for the, the real depth of the problems to come out. But there were some problems reported at the polls uh, yesterday in Illinois, in Florida, in North Carolina and uh, in Ohio. We will cover some of those when we come back. I am Brad Friedman. Oh, maybe some calls, too. Do we have some? 818-985-5735. If you have any good questions, let's hear from you. We'll see if I can get to them. Uh, all right. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Stay tuned. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today.
We are riding the storm out here on the broadcast, waiting for the fallout. Oh, it's here, baby. Uh, welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com uh, with you here. Live from the Pacifica Radio studios in Los Angeles. I'll try to get to some of your calls if I can. No promises, but give me a try. 818-985-KPFK. Or drop me a tweet on the Twitters at TheBradBlog. Also, Green News Report coming up. All of that ahead. Um, Illinois ran out of ballots in a number of locations. Uh, We spoke on yesterday's broadcast. uh, And yeah, you should listen. Five days a week. We uh, we spoke yesterday about electronic poll book problems that shut down all of the precincts across Duval County, Florida, at the beginning of the day. You know, because the electronic voting systems are working so well, let's make the poll books electronic as well. Uh, so that kept away uh, voters in the state of Florida for a while. Uh, and then, uh, well, where is this here? Yeah. Also, yeah, we, we talked also about the uh, North Carolina, the long lines where voters were uh, wrestling with simply trying to vote at all, particularly students, because long lines, uh, the new photo ID restriction law in North Carolina uh, made things even longer in North Carolina. Uh, but it was Illinois. Here's this story from uh, Illinois. The Herald Whig uh, reports that voting in Adams County, Illinois, uh, was extended until 8.30 p.m. Uh, after the Adams County clerk's office was caught unprepared for the turnout for Tuesday's primary election. As numerous polls around the county reported throughout the day that they had to turn away voters because they ran out of ballots. Poll workers at Christ Lutheran Church, Quincy University, Knights of Columbus, Melrose Chapel, Trinity Union Church, United Church, uh, Christ in Quincy, they all reported that they ran out of ballots on Tuesday, some as early as late morning. So not only did they—they were caught unprepared. Not only did they run out of ballots, they ran out just in the early morning. How could they be this unprepared? Knowing the turnout that uh, has been coming out uh, on both the Republican and the Democratic sides, now state statutes require that each precinct have 110 percent of the possible ballots needed— but that's rarely enforced, and uh, county clerks just simply don't comply, especially during primaries. So the uh, the county clerk there, Adams County Clerk Chuck Venvertlo, said he decided to print only about 30 percent, 30 percent of the possible ballots for each precinct instead of 110 percent. He said he based that on the 23 percent turnout in 2012 the last presidential primary, when you did not have a contested primary on both sides of the aisle. At that point, by the time they got to Illinois, well, there, there was no uh, contest at all on the Democratic side, and Mitt Romney had pretty much sewn it up by the time they got to Illinois this time uh, in, in 2012. So uh, he ended up, uh, it's just amazing. So he projected a 27% turnout, and they ran out of ballots. Now, Here's the thing. They should never run out of ballots, even if they don't send out enough to the precincts. They're made out of paper. You take one, the last one, before you run out, you take the last one and you go to a copier and you copy as many as you need and people can fill out the photocopied ballots. Perfectly legal. 
Now, county clerks don't tell people that. They don't tell their poll workers that because if there's photocopied uh, versions of the ballots, then they'll have to hand count them. Or even worse, more offensive, they'll they'll have to uh, fill them uh, re what they call remaking them. They'll actually have a, a someone at, at the election office copy another version of the ballot onto another piece of paper so they can count it with the optical scan computers to avoid having to hand count it. There is no excuse for ever running out of paper ballots and sending people away. That's what they were doing. Uh, in, in precinct after precinct, uh, they were sending people home. They were saying they were taking. Here's a, Esther Sherman, 89 years old, said, I won't get to vote. Sherman had wanted to pull a Democratic ballot, although election judges offered to take her phone number and call her when ballots arrived. Sherman was reluctant to come back out with storms approaching Quincy, Illinois. Uh <laughs> 78-year-old Wanda Dunn and her daughter Carol Holbrook went to the polling place at Trinity United Church of Christ. A few minutes later, Holbrook assisted Dunn out of the church, neither having voted. They were among dozens of people who had to leave the polling place without voting. They should never have to leave the polling place without voting. Now, remember, uh, Illinois, on the Democratic side at least, was was very close, was uh, two percentage points. How many uh, people did not get to cast their vote in Illinois? Did that make a difference? Will we ever know? Does anybody care? Is anybody there? Uh, uh, here was, uh, and it wasn't only in Adams County, in Springfield, Sangamon uh, County, this is a clip. Uh, this was CNN. Uh, clip number one here, G. Just now, this precinct right behind me, there are six precincts that vote here. This one just completely ran out of ballots. They don't have ballots to hand to people anymore. They're sending people away. They're taking people's phone numbers. They're not even quite sure how to handle it. They're not even sure how to handle it. Springfield, Illinois. Sangamon County, I believe that is. That was uh, CNN. CNN was standing right there inside the poll saying they've run out of ballots. The poll workers don't even know how to handle it. Tell them to use, tell them to go to Kinko's. We don't have Kinko's anymore, do we? It's FedEx, isn't it? Whatever. Go make a copy. Uh, maddening for those of us who give a damn about, uh, about democracy. But pay attention to this because the turnout is going to be much, much bigger this November. And the same problems will happen. And then it will be too late to do much about it at that point. And things get really ugly. <sighs> Speaking of ugly, uh, our friend Randy Rhodes, uh, formerly of Air America, she was purged in the state of Florida. She went to vote yesterday, she told me, uh, in, um, in Palm Beach. And she was uh, she they told her that her record, her voting record had been purged in 2011. She had actually voted nonetheless in 2012. Uh, and uh, apparently it took them quite a while to find it. They said they uh, they they finally found uh, that 2012 vote. And they said that the purge hadn't yet, quote, kicked in, as Randy uh, told me. I've been trying to check with the uh, Palm Beach supervisor of elections. Uh, Susan Booker, who we've ha actually had on this program and has actually been 
a great fighter against the uh, Republican, the repeated Republican voter roll purges that uh, Republican Governor Rick Scott has been carrying out or trying to over the years there. Uh, I still have not heard back from uh, from Susan to find out the election director down there in Palm Beach to find out what might have actually happened. I think Randy was uh, on our friend uh, Nicole Sandler's show talking about it today. I haven't had the chance to get more details there. Uh, but that happened. Who else was purged uh, from the voting rolls in the state of Florida? And have you, if you have not voted lately, have you bothered to check to make sure you are still registered, whether you live in Florida or anywhere else? Election Protection Coalition, the eight. 8- Eight, uh, 866-Hour Vote group, who I urge you, if you had any problems voting yesterday or uh, anytime this cycle or in the future, please call and report it to 866-Hour Vote. They'll take a, uh, they, they collect a database and we can find out if a whole bunch of people were for some reason purged from the state of Florida or anywhere else or have any problems or they're running out of ballots. Uh, please let 866-OUR-VOTE know about it. And also let your county know about it, let your secretary of state know about it, and let the media know about it, including me, if you like. You can drop me an email. I'm uh, bradcast at bradblog.com, or you can find me on Twitter at thebradblog. Uh, but what do I have time for here? So many, uh, so many problems, so little time. Uh, oh, Cleveland, this isn't really a voting problem. Well, maybe it's a voting problem. Uh, a poll worker in Cleveland, Ohio, was arrested on Tuesday after pulling a gun on another poll worker in Cleveland, Ohio, according to WKYC. Uh, Alan Bethia, 45-year-old man, took out a 380 pistol out of his backpack during a heated exchange with co-workers at the Louisa May Alcott School polling station, according to the report. Uh, he was arrested after leaving the polling uh, location, <clears throat> according to WKYC. Apparently, uh, police told the news station that Bethia faced a slew of charges, <clears throat> including uh, uh, menacing, uh, aggravated menacing, carrying a concealed weapon. Uh, but now, of course, I believe in Ohio, it is now an open carry state. So Cuyahoga, this was, uh, well, this is Cleveland, this is Cuyahoga County, uh, this is Cleveland, where the GOP convention is actually scheduled to be this July <laughs> in an open carry state. But I'm sure, I, I'm just guessing that the hypocrites of the Republican Party will make sure that that convention is a gun-free zone, won't they? Especially with what might happen at that convention? It'll be a gun-free zone, right? Even though we all know that gun-free zones are less safe because Republicans keep telling, really, are they less safe, Republicans? Are you going to allow people to bring guns into the uh, Republican uh, National Convention this July in Cleveland, where even the poll workers can't seem to help pulling, uh, pulling guns on each other? Man... All right. Should we take some calls? I got more stuff here, but let's uh, let, let's take some calls. Uh, maybe you'll calm me down. Morris in Long Beach, welcome to the broadcast. What's up, Morris? Hey, Brad. I'm, I'm starting a new job for you, Harvey Wiseman and Greg Pollitt. You're going to be in charge of the election commission. We're going to give you fast track. 
particularly against any Secretary of State in the United States. Is that right? Okay, that's your new job. Uh, we want you to get a, we're going to get you a bench warrant right now for Carl Rove so we don't have any problems come this uh, election, okay? Okay. So uh, you cannot, you can't, you can't decline the job. That's your new job, okay? You, right. Harvey Wiseman, and Greg Pollitt. Uh, Thanks uh, very much. Greg Pollitt. All right. Well, uh, that's our jobs. Well, I guess we have no choice. Morris says so in Long Beach. Thanks, Mo. Uh, 818-985-5735. Uh, Mary Alice in uh, beautiful downtown Burbank. Hey, Mary Alice. Welcome to the broadcast. Thank you. Um, I worked, I was purged, but I uh, went and rectified it. But at any rate, I've worked on these tolls. When we underwent our training. You were purged here um, in, Califor- in, uh, in California? No, I was purged in my little town in Connecticut. I'm Uh-oh. calling you okay. as a visitor. Okay. At any rate, and um, when we were undergoing training, because I had worked on the tolls, uh, we were harassed. By the Debolt company, they wanted all sorts of information, contact, follow up on us because we were from a town. You ever heard of Westport? Westport's a very sure. open-minded little town in Connecticut. Yeah, and we were pro-democratic, mm-hmm. very democratic. Those machines are very, very flimsy. All you have to do is unplug them, and you lose all the votes. Everything recording. Yeah. Um, I think I think your previous caller's absolutely right. We have to start some kind of committee to repeat to get rid of these machines because they are so e- easily hacked and so flimsy, and and replace them with a regular old vote. And we should and make really- clear that in uh, in Connecticut, Mary Alice, uh, where the, where you're talking about, uh, it's actually paper ballots, but they're Diebold, they're optical scan systems made by Diebold. Correct? Was that the what you right. were using? Right. Exactly. And, and and in Connecticut. Those machines, they're not actually run by Diebold. They're run by a company named LHS, uh, which uh, runs them all across New England. The, the, one of the guys there uh, has a, a, a narcotics trafficking record. Uh, and yeah. you'll be happy to know that I helped get one of those guys removed from your state, Mary Alice, from Connecticut, because... Uh, one of the guys who worked for LHS came over to bradblog.com, left this uh, profane comment calling me a conspiracy theorist and using much more, much worse words than I can repeat on FCC radio here. Uh, but the Secretary of State of, uh, uh, of Connecticut was made aware of that, and that guy, at least, uh, who is, I, I have no doubt, I, I suspect he's probably the one who was harassing you. Uh, he was uh, told that he does not uh, get to work in, uh, on the voting system in Connecticut, at least. So there's that, Mary Alice. Well, no, I'm very appreciative of that, um, <laughs> but I do think okay. um, we have to be very vigilant because we have a guy named Tom Foley, who keeps surfacing and wants to be the next governor. He's tied in with Pete Peterson. He is, um, I've known him and his family personally, and he is a very, very dangerous guy. That's the guy you're talking about in Connecticut? Yes. He he was the guy who went to Iraq and took over after the so-called viceroy of Iraq, the little guy. Okay. Um, He's now doing paintings in D.C. or something. All right. Thanks. Uh, uh, yeah, Very we. Dangerous. I, well, listen, I agree. We do have to pay attention. Thanks for the call, Mary Alice, uh, and safe travels back to Connecticut. Uh, we do have to pay attention. All I can do is tell people what you guys do with it. That's up to you. Uh, Desi Doyen, do we have uh, time? Do I got to get to a break here? Okay. Um, one more. Uh, Chris and Van Nuys very quickly. Hey, Chris, welcome to the broadcast. What's up? Um, I was wondering, in Ohio, do they use paper ballots or electronic machines? Uh, I just find the voting numbers 
Yeah. It's a little odd. Yeah, well, they use uh, both paper ballots that are counted on uh, optical scan computers, and they use touchscreens in a number of locations around the state as well. They use both. And if you wonder about the numbers, uh, I don't blame you at this point, not because of the way they came in, but because at this point, knowing what we know about our electoral system, uh, if anyone has questions about the results... I completely understand. And that's why this is so maddening, not because people are stealing elections. They may or may not be. But the fact that we can't know and we have to guess in these United States of America in 2016, frankly, is absolutely disgraceful. Quick break. And we're back with more broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. Melting for Desi Doyen here on the broadcast. How are you, Des? Um, it's hot out here. Yeah, <laughs> it's a March heat wave yeah. again. What are you? Uh, what are you, a climate scientist? Uh. Uh, you know that we're still that I'm still yelling and screaming about this. Sorry, but in 2016, that I'm still having to do this. You know, we had the interview yesterday with uh, Professor Harvey K. Uh, about social democracy and how that goes back to our our founding uh, documents, the Thomas, Thomas Paine, right. up through uh, Abraham Lincoln, FDR, Eisenhower, uh, Eisenhower, up until really we started reversing it with Ronald Reagan, uh, and we're going to talk uh, more about that tomorrow on the broadcast. But uh, go back to uh, go to bradblog.com, uh, iTunes, kpfk.org. Listen to that interview with that I did yesterday, lengthy interview with uh, Professor Harvey K, uh, and that our country. That this is a progressive country. Yes, it is a democratic socialist country. And the fact that it is now so hard to get things done and that we're moving in the wrong direction on so many of these things and the Democrats are afraid, not the voters, but the Democratic uh, leadership is so afraid to stand up and fix this crap. And fight for progressive values, the progressive values that have helped make America such a strong country, especially, you know, in that great progressive age between 1935 and the 1950s and 60s and 70s. But anyway, I digress. Thank you for digressing, because <laughs> otherwise I'd have to do it. All right. right. Uh, our, our latest Green News report, it was actually recorded before Marco Rubio uh, dropped out of the race la- late last night. But I think you give him a, a final punch, if I recall, yeah. uh, in, in today's, in our latest Green News report. Kick it, G. No state has more at stake than Florida does, and no city has more at stake than Miami, the city in which we are sitting. In what could be their final primary debates, Democrats talk action on climate change while Republicans remain in denial. Six million Floridians could be impacted by rising sea levels. Plus, February 2016's shocking temperature record. All of those shocks and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. One of the reasons why the climate is changing is because the climate has always been changing. And one of the reasons Marco Rubio is losing is because he's always been a loser. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I don't know how many debates it took. I think we've had about almost 20 
but finally, the Republicans were asked a question about climate change in uh, what could be the final primary election debate for the Republicans. I know. It was pretty shocking and amazing, and I have to say, I liked it. Even though all they did is respond with wingnut denier talking points? (laughs) Yes. Well, at least the public got to hear about climate change and rising sea levels at both of the Democratic and the Republican primary debates that were hosted by CNN in Miami, Florida. A coalition of South Florida mayors whose towns are already grappling with constant nuisance flooding have asked the candidates what they will do to address rapidly rising seas caused by global warming. Both of the Democratic presidential candidates accept mainstream climate science and have developed detailed plans to prepare the nation's infrastructure and reduce the use of fossil fuels that cause climate change. Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton emphasized expanding renewable energy to cut emissions and finding common ground with congressional Republicans to rebuild the nation's infrastructure. Good luck with that. We do have to invest in resilience and mitigation while we are trying to cut emissions and make up for the fact that this is clearly man-made and man aggravated. For his part, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders attacked Republicans' climate change denial as the product of the powerful influence of the fossil fuel industry in campaign contributions. When you have Republican candidates for president and in Congress telling you that climate change is a hoax, which is Donald Trump and other candidates' position, what they are really saying is we don't have the guts to take on the fossil fuel industry. Republican presidential candidates Donald Trump and Ted Cruz do call climate science a hoax and a fraud. But at the Republican debate in Miami, also hosted the following day by CNN, Ohio Governor John Kasich first said he accepted man-made climate change and then questioned it. We don't know how much humans actually contribute, but it is important we develop renewables. But Florida Senator Marco Rubio answered his worried Florida mayors and constituents with a flood of denial, running the gamut of well-worn denier myths. Here are just a few. But as far as a law that we can pass in Washington to change the weather, there's no such thing. There would be no change in our environment. Sea level would still rise. All these other things that are happening would continue to go on because these other countries like India and China are more than making up carbon emission for whatever we could possibly cut. I am not going to destroy the U.S. economy for a law that will do nothing for our environment. Wow, that's a lot of Republican denial talking points all in a row. I know. From the same guy. Shoved into one spot. And, of course, he's flat out wrong. But, you know, notice that he rejects the man-made contribution to climate change except when it's China and India, because when they do it, it does have an impact, but there's nothing that we can do as the United States. And Marco Rubio and John Kasich, they're the sane ones, right? Yeah, supposedly. And now a new study from NOAA, published on Monday, finds that according to new updated flood maps that take into account coastal population growth and development, up to 6 million Floridians could be impacted by rising sea levels by the end of the century if society does not act on climate change. Did you mention that Marco Rubio is the U.S. senator from Florida? Yep. But of course, the planet isn't paying attention to politics. Scientists at NASA say they were shocked that last month, February 2016, smashed global heat records. To be clear, February 2016 was not the hottest month ever recorded. That was July 2015. 
But February's temperature spike jumped above the long-term average by the biggest margin ever recorded. It broke the record that was set just in January. So in January, we broke the record for records. Yes, for the biggest departure from the average temperature. And now in February, we broke the record record from January. That's right. Things are going great. Yep, it's uh, changing fast. Now, this is temporary and influenced by El Nino, but the rest, they say, is pushed by global warming. For more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget, you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes, where we hope you'll stop by and give us a good review. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. We're all in trouble, Desi Doyen. You first. You're in, you're in the most <laughs> trouble. I don't know why, but I'm blaming you. Oh, well, thanks. All right. And I'm also thanking you. Thank you to our producer, Desi Doyen. Uh, great job, as ever. To our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn. To our soundboard operator, G. Thank you, G. Uh, what else? Oh, and my thanks to you for spending a day, a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can download it as ever at bradblog.com or over at iTunes, where we hope you'll give us a good review. You can find me and follow me on the Twitters. I am the Bradblog there and on Facebook. And you can email me. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. Another big Bradcast tomorrow. Don't miss it. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Yeah.